When we were young people, when we were very young, people used to ask us, what do you want to become when you grow up? And back in our days, we used to be, we used to say like, I want to become a doctor, or I want to become a pilot. That's what we, what we used to say. Nowadays, I ask, you know, young people, what do you want to become? They will say, I want to become rich. Maybe like Elon Musk or Jeff <laughs> Bezos. But back in the days, I used to say, I want to become a lawyer. And I think that's kind of a strange. People would ask me, why do, you kind of, why do you want to become a lawyer? I think I have seen enough detective movies and courthouse scenarios that these lawyers got the best of me. And I like the way how they defend cases, how they bring key witnesses, and how they cross-examine the stories. And I think that's, that's got me. Even in, in our story, the one that we are going to look today, Many people ask the truthfulness, the credibility of the story of the birth of our Messiah. Many people question that. There were many who doubted back then. Even today, there are many who are still not trusting that stories. So they say, how can we trust something that happened 2,000 years ago? What does it have to do with me? Is the good news of the birth of our Savior credible? Can we trust that story? So when we look at the Christmas narrative, the announcement of the birth of our Savior was declared to the shepherds. You know, you remember last week, as we have seen, the story was not broken to the officials, the kings, to the religious leaders of those days, but to the shepherds. And Luke is trying to tell us and trying to answer the question, who is this Messiah? Is Jesus our Messiah, the Anointed One, the Christ, the Holy One of God? And he went into great lengths to research, to ask eyewitnesses, and present a detailed account in his gospel. So he introduced the stories. Last week we looked at the story of the shepherds. You know, how they have heard, received the news from the angels, and how they were afraid and then they went to find the baby and they spread the news. So the shepherds were the first eyewitnesses. But who trusts shepherds? You know, last week Pastor Steve was saying, at least they have to be two. To be truthful, to be trusted. But regardless, they went and spread the news of the birth of the Messiah. Luke also tells us about the parents, Mary and Joseph. But then Luke introduced two people, two individuals that received the birth of the news of our Savior through the Holy Spirit, Simeon and Anna. And they saw the baby and they praised God. So the birth of the news of our Savior was introduced to those who were looking and expecting the reign of God, the promises of God. So today in our topic, in our discussion, we, looked at, we will look at the presentation of baby Jesus, the infant Jesus, and also Simeon and Anna, as recorded in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 22 up to 38. And we'll examine if they could be, if these guys could be a credible witness to the birth of the Messiah. 
So let's stand together for the reading of God's Word, as recorded for us in Luke chapter 2, verses 22 up to, 20, up to 38. And when, the, and when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it's written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what's said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. A sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. And she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the word of God for the people of God. And all of God's people say, praise be to God. You may be seated. Our Father, we thank you and we glorify your name for the wonderful gift of your son, Jesus Christ, who you willingly surrender your son to us, Lord. He became flesh for us. He became one of us, Lord, to pay the penalty for us, Lord. Lord, as we look into your word, May your truth convict our hearts and transform our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus was born into an incredibly devout parents. We know Mary and Joseph were young couples who shouldered this huge responsibility of raising the Messiah. There were question marks hanging over their head from those around them. Their story is kind of suspicious. There, there may be people talking behind their back. You know, she's saying like, I am pregnant and I have this baby from the Holy Spirit. But they knew, Joseph and Mary knew, that the baby that they have in their hands right now is from God. 
But who would believe them? Who would believe their story? Who would corroborate their story? Who can be their credible witness? So when Luke started this part of the birth narrative, his focus was on the parents of Jesus, how they were paying close attention to keeping the Mosaic law. They were lowly, humble parents, but they were devout, who desired to keep all the laws of Moses, the purification law and the presenting of the infant baby Jesus, the firstborn who opens the womb. And their desire was just to go to the temple, do what was required according to the law, and go back to live their lives and see how God would do what he said he would do. So when the time, when the time came for their purification, according to the law, they brought him up, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem, into the temple to present him to the Lord. So his parents, Jesus' parents were unique. They were religious men and women. They accepted this mission from God in obedience, even though they did not completely understood it. Being, being devout, they want to fulfill all the requirements that is expected of them. You know, this requirement, one of these requirements is the purification according to Moses. So in Leviticus 12, verse 6, it says, And when the days of her purification are completed, whether for a son or a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting a year, a lamb a year old for the burnt offering and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. And if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle loaves or two pigeons, one for the burnt offering and, one the other, and the other for a sin offering, and the priest shall make atonement for her and she shall be clean. So when a woman, back in those days, when a woman gives birth, whether to a son or daughter, she will be unclean and she has to isolate herself for a certain period. So the purification law according to Moses at that time was for women, when she gives birth to a son, it is 40 days, and when she gives birth to a daughter, it is 80 days. Why 40? Why 80? I don't know. <laughs> Both of them are God's children, but this is the law according to Moses. So to complete this process of this purification process, they were supposed to offer a year-old lamb and a turtle dove or a pigeon. Obviously, as we know in the story, Mary and Joseph did not afford or a lamp. What they could afford was two turtle doves and, or two young pigeons. So the law made a provision. If you can't afford it, then you can do this. So God is not so much interested in our, how much we offer, how much we put in the offering boxes, but it, it's our obedience to his commands that matters. The second thing that they did was to present their child, their firstborn son to the Lord. Because it says in the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be declared holy to the Lord. The firstborn son belongs to the Lord. You remember in the story in, uh, in when Israelites were in Egypt, they were under the slavery for over 400 years. And God did so many miracles to let them go, to, to let Pharaoh go, 
So this story can be found in, in Exodus 13. And Moses told them this in verses 12. It says, you shall set apart to the Lord all the first, who, all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are male shall be the Lord's. And when in time to come, your son asks you, what does this mean? You shall say to him, by strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt and from the house of slavery. So for when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first opens the womb, but all the firstborn of my son I redeem. So Mary and Joseph want to present this baby child to the Lord because he is the first one born into that family. So they have to redeem their son. But the price of redemption for the firstborn son is five shekels of silver, according to Numbers 18. We don't know. Uh, Luke did not tell us whether they have paid the price. But I believe they did not because they were poor to afford to pay that price. But you know, Jesus himself is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of men. Jesus was the Lamb Mary and Joseph could not afford to offer for the purification of their sin. He is the Redeemer of all mankind who does not need to be redeemed. He's the perfect, sinless sacrifice for all our sins once and for all. So Jesus' parents kept all the requirements of the law. Though Jesus came through a lowly, poor family, they were obedient to the laws of the Lord. Though Jesus came through a mysterious circumstances, they wanted to do right by him. Though they were young couples, they were credible witnesses to the good news as they were devout, law-keeping Jews of their days. As parents, it's one of our responsibility to bring and train our children before the Lord, teaching them His ways. Be an exemplary, obedient follower of our Lord. Our children, or those whom we are trying to influence or disciple, see our actions more than our words. You know, we may have a lot of excuses and say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so busy, I can't do this, my children behave, misbehave, my schedule is tight. I can't spend all of this time to train my children, to disciple, to pass on to, pass this to others. Or I'm not qualified, I don't have the training, I don't have the skill sets to train them before the Lord. But as, as parents or as disciple makers, it is our responsibility to at least pray for them teach them what we know, train them, and model as best as we could, and allow God to do the rest. We, in, in this present world, we are to be a credible witness to the good news of Jesus, to our children, and to those whom we are trying to influence and impact. So simple, simple obedience to the ordinary days or activities our lives speaks volumes to our children and to those around that we are trying to influence. I grew up with my, my grandparents, and I remember my, my grandfather, 
reading his Bible every day. Whenever I see him, he's always with his Bible. Like David, you know, the Psalms are always in his hands. He's always reading, always reading. He never told me to read my Bibles. But the love he has for the Word impacted my life. And as I see him immerse himself in the Word, and I began to, to look and, and find to, you know, to see what, what is he reading. Oftentimes, I don't understand what it was, but I tried to read as much as I could, and that love grew in me. So we can influence those around us and be a witness to the message of the gospel, to the birth of Jesus. Mary and Joseph did their best to keep the law and raise our Savior as best as they could. And we know that Jesus grew in stature and in favor before God and man. So the next people that, Paul, that Luke introduced for us, next to the parents, are the prophets, Simeon and Anna, who witnessed the birth of Jesus. So their story is kind of strange. Because Luke just pops them up. We, we don't know their background. We don't know a lot about them. But Luke just introduces them to us. And he says, now, there was a man. We don't know where he came from. We don't know about his parents or his circumstances. And he just starts to describe him. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit is upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord. And he came in the Spirit at, into the temple. When the parents brought Jesus, brought the child to do according to the custom of the law. So Simeon was described in glowing terms. His character as a credible witness to the good news of the birth of Jesus is beyond doubt. Who could doubt Simeon? His testimony, who could doubt him? This man is living in Jerusalem, in that great city where there is the temple, his name, Simeon, means someone who hears, someone who obeys, someone who listens. He is righteous. He is devout. He is the servant of the Lord, possibly a priest. He is waiting from God for the consolation, for the comfort of Israel. And the Holy Spirit is upon him. This is an incredible witness. His character, his lifestyle... His longing and wanting to see God's reign come speaks volumes about this man. It is as if Luke is saying, you could doubt the parents, you could doubt the shepherds, but Simeon, this guy who is a regular at the temple, possibly a priest or a prophet, you could not doubt his testimony. Some of the unique description of this man that I, I like is that the Holy Spirit is upon him. We know the Holy Spirit did not fully descend until Acts 2. But this man is full of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit revealed to him. The Holy Spirit speaks to him. 
the Holy Spirit directs him. He's in constant communion with the Holy Spirit. He has fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He allowed the Holy Spirit to lead him, to speak to him. To, he, he, he saturates himself with the Holy Spirit. And he's eagerly waiting for the comfort that comes from God. You know, the nation Israel at that time was in constant dominion over different empires. Now at that time, the Romans were ruling them with the iron fist, and their circumstances is dark. But Simeon is remembering God's promises to the nation that is found in Isaiah and the Psalms. And is waiting upon God when that comfort will arrive. Just with a glance of a baby, this man is satisfied. How many babies he must have seen, how many babies he must have held in his arms and smiled at them. But this one is so special. This one is the one that he had been waiting for all those years. Finally, the wait is over. The comfort of Israel has arrived. It has been set in motion and there is no force that is going to stop it. Amen? Amen? This is where we say amen. Amen. <laughs> Great. So Simeon said, I'm satisfied now. I can depart in peace and be with my Lord in eternity. And he goes into a singing, a singing mode like Mary and in Zechariah and Luke 1. He said, Lord, now you let your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and, and for your glory to your people Israel. He's quoting Isaiah 52. And he says, The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. And also Psalm 98, he says, The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of all nations. Now God's salvation is visible and made known for all to see and know. The arrival of Jesus in a small town in Bethlehem may be obscure, but it will be known throughout the earth. And just as Simeon had seen it, it is not done in secret. It has been promised, and now the promise has arrived. And also he said, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Again, he's quoting Isaiah 46, 49. He said, I will make you a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Again, Isaiah 60 says, And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising, and for glory to your people Israel. And we know the nation Israel was supposed to be that light. But they failed. But now the one that will never fail, our light, the true light, Jesus has arrived. Jesus said in John 8, I am the light of the world. 
Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the light of the nations. Isaiah 9 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has dawned. So our hope, our light, and our delight, God brought this light into our dark world. You remember in Genesis, when God said, Let there be light into the darkness that was hovering over the face of the earth. In the fullness of time, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to be the light in our dark souls and to guide us into eternal peace with His Father. This light is not only for the nation of Israel, but it's also for the Gentiles. This light is not only for the Israelites, but this light is also for us. This light is revealed. As He's holding the baby Jesus in His arms, my eyes have seen the salvation of our God. How satisfied this man is. And he said, now I can go in peace. Before he said that, he said, he prophesied. He went into not only into a singing mode, but also into a prophesying mode. Because the Spirit was upon him. And he prophesied, behold this child is appointed for the falling and rising of many in Israel and the sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul so that thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Blessing does not mean there's not going to be any pain. Mary would experience pain as she sees her son, her darling, hang on the cross for the sins of the world. Her soul will be pierced by the sword, in agony and pain. Yes, obviously, Jesus could cause for the fall and rising of some. Some would reject this child and fall into judgment. Some would receive him and welcome him and be saved. This child would be the means of eternal blessing to those who believe, but to those who reject him, it will be a sign that they have rejected God. In so doing, the thoughts of people will be revealed. They could not keep it hidden in their hearts. You have to either love and make Jesus Lord of your life and reject Him. There is no middle ground. You are either here or there. But I suspect there are many, not a small number, who would want the middle ground. They do not reject him completely, or they do not make him Lord of their lives. They want to be kind of in the middle. You want to have it both ways. I'm here, and also I'm here. I'm sorry, my friends, we can't have it both ways. We either have to trust Jesus and make him Lord of our lives, and, and receive his authority over our lives, or we, have, we, we will reject him. Where do you stand on this Christmas day? Do you make him Lord of your life? Receive the authority over your life? Or do you reject him? Or at some, are you in the middle? 
This is the question I want to leave you. Do you doubt the testimony of Simeon? Is he not a credible witness to the birth of the Messiah? Luke is saying like, let me add one more witness to you. One more person. Because the testimony of two is true. And now he introduced another woman. A prophetess. Anna. The daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She, he's, he's describing her. She's, she's advanced in years. Lived with her husband seven years from the time she was a virgin. And then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer day and night. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God. And to speak to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. He was talking about an old man. Now he's talking about an old woman. Anna was described in glowing terms. She was a prophetess. And Anna means grace or gracious. Someone who gives. Her family was described. She was widowed when uh, she only lived with her husband uh, seven years. She lived in the temple. She worshipped with fasting and prayer night and day, and she gave praises to God. This woman, this elderly woman, is an amazing person. And Luke went into great length to describe her, to describe her family and her marriage life. And he said she was widowed. We don't know whether she was widowed after, like she lived for 84 years after she's widowed or she was widowed for 84 years. But either ways, she has been devoted to the Lord for many years. For many, many years. For 60 over 84 years. This is long time. Her commitment, her consistent commitment to the Lord is beyond doubt. She lived close to the temple. She did not depart from the temple. Her daily habits were fasting and praying day and night. And I began to ask, what are our daily habits? What is my daily habit? Is it glued to the screen? Is it phone in our hands night and day? Is it going from places to places? What are our daily habits? I think this woman challenges us. Her consistent, long-time devotion to the Lord. Her long habits. Being there in the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer. You know, we have prayer time at IEC. We pray on uh, Thursdays and uh, Thursday mornings. You can join us if you want to. But there are very few people who come to our prayer meetings. And if we pray maybe for half an hour, people say, no, no, we got to go. We have, to, we have something else to do. <laughs> Let's go. But this lady spent a lot of time in prayer, in fasting. Fasting we have to forget. I think this is one of the things most of us don't do. I think we love our food, right? Yeah, but this woman, 
loves to fast and pray day and night. And she has done that for many, many, many years. She's a constant feature in the temple. Everybody would have known her. Everybody would have known her, how devoted she was. She's all the time there, encouraging people, waiting for the redemption of Israel. She's talking about God's promises to those around her. Coming at that very hour, the writer said, very hour to that very hour. How it's so amazing how God put these puzzles together. She became the witness of this incredible story of the birth of our Messiah. Like Simeon, she praised God and began to speak of him to those who were waiting. So these two prophets, their character was described for us. Who would doubt their testimony? They are a credible witness to the birth of our Savior. So I think there are at least two things that we can learn from them. The first one, I would say, is Jesus was shown to those who were eagerly waiting and anticipating his coming. Both Simeon and Anna were waiting for the consolation and redemption of Israel. You have to remember there were no recorded prophets for over 400 years since the prophet Micah. And it was a period of silence for the Israelites. The Romans were over them. Their, their rule was heavy on the people. To, to the ordinary eyes, it is the darkest period of their time. They were taxed mercilessly. They were living in poverty. There was no visible hope for them. There was nothing to look forward. But in the midst of this dark and bleak season, we find these two men man and women who have been waiting for the redemption of God. They're waiting and asking God, what is, where is the promise that you have given to us? And they have been waiting for a long time. You know, in God's kingdom, age isn't a reason to stop serving. We never retire. You never retire from serving your creator. We have to persevere until the end. And as I can see around here, we have many people who are mature. And it's not time to give up serving our Lord. But it's time to continue and to pass on what you have learned to the next generation. Don't hold back. Give. Don't allow the back pains to hold you back. Continue serving. <laughs> One of the things I remember from my, my grandparents were when you grow old, it, it will show in the back, right? <laughs> so don't allow the back pain to deter you from serving your master. Keep going. Persevere. Perseverance is one of the ways we spot someone who's truly believing in Jesus. They keep going and going when others give up. So I want to encourage you to keep going. When you feel like giving up, when you say like, I'm too tired, it is too much, I'm too busy. But let's try to keep going until the end. Don't give up. So persevere. The second thing that we can learn 
from Simeon and Anna. It's just like, as they have been in a season of waiting for the coming of the Messiah, we are also waiting for the second coming of our Lord Jesus, for his appearing. But his appearing for the second time is not going to be like the first one, like a little baby that Simeon and Anna holds. Matthew says in chapter 16, for the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repeat it according to what he has done. Again, in chapter 24, Matthew says, For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Colossians 3 says, When Christ with your life appears, then you will appear with him in glory. And I like what uh, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. He says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. His second coming is not going to be like his first coming, like a little baby in a obscure town in Bethlehem. His second coming is going to be like, boom. Everyone will see. Everyone will know. Everyone will recognize. The question is, will we be found waiting in eagerness, in anticipation, just like the way Simeon and Anna were waiting? My brothers and sisters, be patient until the coming of our Lord. See how a farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient until it receives the early and the late rains. You will be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Simon and Anna, were waiting for the first coming, and they witnessed his birth. What about us? We are also in a season of waiting for his second coming. Will we be found in eagerness, in anticipation of his second coming? What must we do as we wait for his appearing? We must stay vigilant. And we must say, ready. For this second coming is imminent. It could be any time. We must also find satisfaction and joy in our God who keeps his promises. Just because it has taken some time, it doesn't mean Jesus is not going to come. His coming will be like sudden. Boom. We must live each moment for the glory, for his glory, and take his message to those around us and be his credible witness. My friends, do we pray? Do we wait for his second coming? Do we look forward to it with hope and excitement? Or is it too distant or far away from our minds? I ask some young people, 
if Jesus would suddenly appear, would suddenly come, would you be excited? And they say, no, 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 I'm not ready. <laughs> I have to get married. I have to have this. I have to have that. <laughs> Are we looking for his second coming with excitement and hope? So what started as a simple obedience to the commands of God to go to the temple for purification and present the baby Jesus transformed into one of celebration and proclamation of Jesus the Messiah. Mary and Joseph, Simeon and Anna became a credible witness to the birth of our Messiah, Jesus Christ. In this season of remembering the birth of Jesus, let us become his credible witness and look forward to his glorious return. If some of you are here, it's just because it is Christmas, or you come once in a year. I met yesterday one guy who said, this is, he came to IEC after 10 years. Some people just show up, you know, once in a year, or you don't know what the gospel message is, what we are talking about. We'd like to talk to you. You can come talk to us. There are elders and leaders here. Come talk to us. God has sent his son for you. God has sent him as salvation for all nations. Merry Christmas to you all. God loves us. God loves you. And let's go out and be his credible witness. Let us pray. So our Father, we thank you for those credible witnesses who are taste to the fact of you, the fact of the birth of your son Jesus Christ to us, Lord. There were many who doubted then, even today, Lord. It is our prayer, Lord, that your spirit would reveal to them, Lord, that they would understand the truth of your word, that you have loved us so much so that you've sent your son Jesus Christ to die for our sin, Lord, to redeem us from the penalty of our sin, Lord, and to present us to you, Lord. And it's our desire, Lord, in this season of remembering and celebrating, Lord, we want to be your witnesses to those around us, Lord. And as we wait for the second coming of your Son in glory, Lord, we want to be found hoping and waiting in excitement and in joy, Lord. May the truth of your word, Lord, touch our hearts and transform our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you.